Good morning. I'm Wimala and today is Friday, July the 8th. And I'm coming to you from a very, we've got kind of a gray day today and it's cooler, but very muggy, feels like rain. So my, uh, my, new, my new hair coming out is uh, definitely, it's because it's curly, I'm really experiencing uh, kind of a bad hair day. So <laughs> that's what happens when you quit shaving your head. Suddenly you have to deal with this hair. It's been 14 years since I've had to do that. So, uh, and it's coming out in a, in a way that it's never been before. So today, I hope you're, I hope you're not having curly hair problems, but how minor that is compared to the rest of the world. Um, just really, uh, you know, things are not good in Sri Lanka. And I had a visitor, visitor this week who's hoping to finish her monastic training in Sri Lanka. So she's staying on top of the news, hoping that she can go back into the country relatively soon. And I think her, uh, she's, she's seeing it's how bad it is. She's staying in, in touch with the news and, uh, more on top of it than it seems like we even get in the news here. And it's not looking good. There's a big national strike, I think either today there or it may be coming up. I don't know if it's today, our time or tomorrow, but people are all supposed to leave their jobs and just be in the streets to try to bring down the, uh, get the government, the family running the government to finally step down the president and then try to start over from there. So problems there. Um, prop, of course, we still have Ukraine. So. When we have uh, in Japan the pro the former prime minister being killed, killed, assassinated, uh, Abe, Shinzo Abe, and that's apparently the nation's in shock, of course, because they don't have that kind of gun violence. So things in the world are not great, and. I think that's when we have to think, okay, what can I do? First, we can maybe up our practice a little bit so we can be able to tolerate seeing things going on in the world and in our own country that are disturbing. So we can be, we need to be able to allow everything that is and not see it as something that's outside of samsara. Uh, I think that's that's the first thing we can think about is we can't turn a blind eye. We don't have to accept things that are awful, but we do need to allow them because they are part of samsara. They are part of the world. And this is how the world is. So our own practice needs to be stronger, our own uh, we have to be very self-nurturing, uh, I think, too. 
So if you know that the news disturbs you, don't watch the news. Don't watch it especially. You may want to read about it rather than watch uh, moving images all day long about it. And if be, be clear about how much you can tolerate before you become depressed or upset or feel yourself anxious all the time. So it's self-nurturing for you to find out ways you can even deal with the situations in the world. So don't overload, don't overload your senses and your mind with things that you have no control over and that keep you from being effective in the things you do have control over. And try not to get caught up in uh, social media and get into any kind of arguments with people. The things we argue about, we're, that's not helping the situation at all. We, we need to be finding ways that if we want to be active in helping change things, find ways that are harmless, not putting lives in danger, but there are lots of ways to be involved in social action that, that can be free from physical harm. You might find places or ways to donate where you know that, the, that it's actually helping or being able to go to the right people who are able to help. You, I think a big way we can help the world is to become refuge for others. And the only way we can do that is by being completely harmless to others and not to be adding to the, to the negativity and to the, the not, don't, we can't, we don't want to add to the problem. And sometimes all we can do is be a witness and work on ourselves, work on, don't think it's a little thing. And together we are working that way together. Each one of us is working on the bigger problem, which is just, it's all about relationships. It's all about um, how materialistic we are, how greedy we are. So it all comes back to those poisons of greed, hate, greed, aversion, and delusion. So what we control is ourselves. We can, we can let go of greed, let go of anger and aversion, and try to be wiser about the realities of the world, try to see things clearly, but without, without, without rejecting some sort, the way the world is. We don't have to buy into it but we need to realize that this is how the world is and do what we can to clean up our own yard. Then it might be a little bit of our neighborhood. And, you know, people, people can get so easily uh, depressed or angry. Their reaction can be so strong one way or the other in this kind of climate political climate, world climate, uh, that, they, that we need to have peaceful voices. We need to have voices that don't encourage that, that the anger or the other way, which is a kind of uh, frightening depression. So that's what we can be. So today, 
what I want to read a little bit and then we can sit. We talked about the, we're on the five invitations and just finishing up kind of a quick, a, a quick, very quick look at this wonderful book, The Five Invitations by Frank Ostaseski. And I know yesterday, uh, Steve Risch put a, in yesterday's talk, he put a, uh, the link to get it, finding this book, but it's called The Five Invitations. And this is what he's learned from being involved in the hospice movement, the Zen Hospice Project. Since its inception, he was a co-creator and it's still very active and a real leader in the country in terms of training hospice professionals and providing hospice services. So. Based on all of his time being with people dying and uh, knowing so much about that world from, uh, for, for several, several years, he came up with these five things that people dying helped him see. These aren't things we want to wait till we're dying to uh, think about, but they're things that we, oh, thanks, Steve, he's putting the book up again. These are the things that can help us wake up fully to our lives. And the, I'll read them really quickly because they're uh, we're on number five today. The first is don't wait. Second, welcome everything, push away nothing. Bring your whole self to the experience is number three. And the one we talked about yesterday, find a place of rest in the middle of things. And today we'll read about, about Cultivate Don't Know Mind. And if you're familiar with uh, Zen teachings at all, Don't Know Mind is very important. That's that beginner's mind. So uh, this, is, this is very good. Let's see, I thought I, this is the fourth. Ooh, I thought I had it right on the right page for the last one. The one yesterday was, was about finding a refuge in ourselves and finding, I think we finding that that helps others find refuge uh, in the middle of things. So that was very appropriate for these days. Well, still not at the right section. For a number five. Oh, here it is. My bookmark slid down in the page. So the fifth invitation, cultivate don't know mind. And here's the um, quote, a mind is like a parachute. It doesn't work if it is not open. That's Tom Thomas Robert DeWar repeated by Frank Zappa. I'll read the first and the very end of this chapter. Zen koans are stories, dialogues, or phrases meant to help us deal with our very human problems. Koans often appear contradictory, but they are not intended as uh, riddles or puzzles to be solved. Rather, they are meant to help us gain insight, freeing us up from our ordinary ways of seeing and knowing the world by propelling us toward our direct experience. The koan, cultivate, don't know, mind, may seem confusing at first. 
Why should we seek to be ignorance? But this is not an encouragement to avoid knowledge. Don't know mind is one characterized by curiosity, surprise, and wonder. It is receptive, ready to meet whatever shows up as it is. Before I had open heart surgery, my son Gabe, who was in his late 20s at the time, visited me in the cardiac care unit of the hospital. We fell into a tender conversation, reminiscing about our relationship. Our sharing was filled with love, kindness, and laughter. At one point, Gabe stopped talking and became quite serious. Dad, are you going to live through this surgery? He asked. Now, I love my son beyond words, and so, like any father, I wanted to reassure him that of course I would live. I would be just fine. But I paused for a moment, searching for the right response. I felt into my experience before answering. Then I heard myself say, I'm not taking sides. My answer surprised us both. What I meant was that I wasn't taking sides with life or death. Either way, I trusted that everything would be okay. I don't know where the words came from. They spilled from me without censorship. I wasn't trying to appear sage or to be a good Buddhist. Yet, be, yet we both were reassured by my response. I think it was because we knew we were in the presence of the truth spoken with love. We hugged and Gabe went home with a promise to return in the morning. As we go about our day-to-day -day lives, we rely on our knowledge. We have confidence in our ability to think through problems, to figure things out. We are educated. We have training in specific subjects that permits us to do our jobs well. We accumulate information through experience, learning as we go. All this is helpful and necessary in moving through our lives smoothly. Ignorance is usually thought of as the absence of information, being unaware. Sadly, it is more than just not knowing. It means that we know something, but it is the wrong thing. Ignorance is misperception. Don't know mind represents something else entirely. It is beyond knowing and not knowing. It is off the charts of our conventional ideas about knowledge and ignorance. It is the beginner's mind. Zen master Suzuki Roshi spoke of when he famously said, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the experts, there are few. Don't know mind is not limited by agendas, roles, and expectations. It is free to discover. When we are filled with knowing, when our minds are made up, it narrows our vision, obscures our ability to see the whole picture, and limits our capacity to act. We only see what our knowing allows us to see. The wise person is both compassionate and humble and knows that she does not know. This moment right here before us, this problem we are tackling, 
this person who is dying, this task we are completing, this relationship we are building, this pain and beauty we are facing, we have never experienced it before. When we enter a situation with don't know mind, we have a pure willingness to do so. Without attachment to a particular view or outcome, we don't throw our knowledge away. It is always there in the background, ready to come to our aid should we need it. But we let go of fixed ideas. We let go of control. Don't know mind is an invitation to enter life with fresh eyes, to empty our minds and open our hearts. That's wonderful. And it's great to have the, the Zen, um, just the, the way they talk about seeing things clearly and letting go of our views and perceptions um, while we're trying to investigate or see something clearly. I love how he talks about it. So let's read the last page or so of, of the chapter. This is, a, this is really a good book, so it's hard to find. It's a long last chapter. Let's see if I can start with a story. Surrender is not the same as letting go. He says uh, letting go is how we prepare for dying. I'll back up. Yeah, it's hard to keep backing up. Okay. Um, Letting go is how we prepare for dying. Suzuki Roshi said that renunciation is not giving up the things of the world, but accepting that they go away. An acceptance of impermanence helps us learn how to die. It also reveals the flip side of loss, which is, letting, which is that letting go is an act of generosity. We let go of old grudges and give ourselves peace. We let go of fixed views and give ourselves to not knowing. We let go of self-sufficiency and give ourselves to the care of others. We let go of clinging and give ourselves to gratitude. We let go of control and give ourselves to surrender. Surrender is not the same thing as letting go. Normally, we think of letting go as a release, often accompanied by a sense of freedom from previous restraints. Surrender is more about expansion. There is a freedom in surrender, but it is not really about setting something down or distancing ourselves from an object, person, or experience as it is with letting go. With surrender, we are free because we have expanded into a spaciousness, a boundless quality of being that can include but not be constrained by the previously limiting beliefs that once defined us, keeping us separate and apart. We release the fruitless habit of clinging to changing objects as a source of happiness. In surrender, we are reconstituted 
We are no longer enslaved by our past. Previous past, past, pre, plural. No longer imprisoned by our former identities. We become intimate with the inner truth of our essential nature. In surrender, we feel ourselves not gaining distance, but rather coming closer. Surrender means moving into flow. I remember watching my father float in the Atlantic Ocean. He seemed to disappear into the sea. All I could see was his soft white belly rising and falling on the waves. You cannot float if you hold on too tightly. Surrender happens when we stop fighting. We stop fighting against ourselves. We stop fighting with life. We stop fighting with death. Surrender is a state in which resistance of any kind ceases to occur. We no longer put up any defense. I'm not convinced that surrender is a choice. It seems involuntary. It feels to me like an inescapable undertow or karmic thread drawing us home. Qualities that engender surrender include faith, love, religious conviction, confidence in acquired wisdom, a sense of awe, and also something far more common, exhaustion. Once while river rafting on one of America's wildest rivers, I was thrown overboard into a whirlpool. I did all the wrong things. I tried to swim to the edge of the whirlpool, imagining that I could somehow hoist myself out of the water as I might on the side of a swimming pool. My companions threw me ropes and shouted instructions, but I kept fighting the force of the whirlpool trying to escape. I quickly became exhausted. Eventually, I was defeated. The whirlpool took me down into a watery chaos. I was tossed around by a power much larger than me. It was relentless. I did not experience a gentle, a gentle letting go into the light. I was terrified, filled with despair and fighting for survival. I felt like I was breaking apart. At one point, I no longer had the energy to fight. This was the moment when surrender, surrender entered. I had an experience that many people describe just before they're in a car accident. Time stood still, and I could see clearly the distinct details of my surroundings, even in the turbulence of the muddy waters. Chaotic patterns shifted into a perceived order. I felt a growing sense of ease, some kind of mercy, and then a complete release. Consciousness was no longer confined to form. The river sucked me down, dragged me along the bottom, and spit me out in an eddy downstream. When I emerged, I felt like I had a new set of eyes. I could see my life in a fresh way with pristine clarity. I would not call this a near-death experience. However, my encounter with total surrender has helped me come closer to the reality experienced and described by patients who are dying. I have a sense of what Barbara meant when she said, I am no longer in charge. I could relate to the Ruth, to the 
ease in Ruth's voice when she told me, now I just fall back into the breath and it catches me. I recognize the smile in Joshua's eyes when he almost sang, got no more worries, I'm just resting my head in the hands of Jesus. Surrender is infinitely deeper than letting go. Letting go is still a strategy of the mind occupied with the past. It is an activity of the personality and the personality is primarily concerned with perpetuating itself. Letting go is still me making a choice. Ego cannot surrender. Surrender is the effortless, easeful non-doing of our essential nature. Without interference, we are simply aware. Surrender is more like an initiation in which the dispensable is sacrificed to the essential. While we may resist our fighting, ultimately, while we may resist, our fighting ultimately proves ineffective. The disillusion of the false will naturally stimulate a sense of fear, and the voices in our heads tell us to pull back. But the sacred is so magnetizing, the surrender is so compelling, that fear does not stop us. In time, the struggle ceases. Our consciousness recognizes that the power we feel, once so terrifying, is our own deep being. We surrender to the reality of non-separation. Surrender is the end of two and the opening to the one. Wow, that's powerful, powerful writing. I'm going to read one thing by Rumi. This is the beginning of the next chapter, which is the epilogue, Dying into Life. And this is by Rumi. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. It's by Rumi. So beautiful writing. And all of his writing is to, is to help us just discover what death can teach us, what the death of our loved ones. And for him, it's been being with people as they die. He's found out the things that make life, uh, that can encourage us, and it's an invitation to life, living fully. So that's all we'll be reading from this book. Um, but I encourage you to read it. I think it's got the beautiful writing, and he talks quite a bit in the book about allowing uh, when we talk about, well, this is something I have to accept, you know, that's implying, acceptance implies uh, we're deciding if something is good or bad or valuable or not valuable. But if, we, if we're understanding it about allowing things to be the way they are, we, it's just, if we're allowing something, we are, we're recognizing that it's here, it's present. It may be part of us that we don't like. 
So it's a it's actually a more expansive word word than talking about accepting things as they are. We are allowing things to be as they are. It uh, doesn't mean we have to approve of them or like them, but they 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 are there. This is this is it's like the condition of the world right now. We have to allow it because what choice do we have? If we're not allowing it, it means we're in, we're being delusional. So I'm sorry, everybody, we haven't had time to sit, but let's take a few breaths, just a few minutes to be with each other and roll your shoulders back, lift your spine in any posture you're in. If you're standing, walking on your back in a chair on the floor, you can lift your spine to help you feel awake and help your body feel better in the long run. Roll your shoulders back. And breathing in and out through your nose, just be aware of the body breathing. Just let go, let go of worries and schedules and plans and regrets. For just these few minutes, let it go. Be present with yourself, just yourself. everything we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those around us who might be directly affected by those things, but then extending out even further for the benefit of all living beings. May we be harmless, may we be kind, May we be a refuge for ourselves, and by extension, we will become refuge for others. We can be a place of peace, a place of kindness and truth. So thank you, and I will uh, I know uh, I, I'll be here on Sunday morning. I know Bhante Sujata has a Zoom uh, 
has a Zoom at 10, but then at 11 we have uh, the Dhammapada on Zoom with Bhante Bhadia at Central Time. And uh, I'll still be, I'll, I'll be doing my thing here on Facebook at 10 as usual. So have a lovely weekend and find joy and happiness. And you can do that and at the same time be very committed to helping the world find some ease in the sadness and in the difficulties and the challenges we have today. But we can also find that real meaning of happiness and joy for ourselves. So thank you so much. <laughs>